0: Uh, I would like to read the Christmas story for you today and uh, we'll do that again tonight and uh, if you'll stand with me for a moment just to help you pay attention if nothing else I'll read it you don't have to read anything but follow along in your copy of scripture it's on page 1018 or 1018 uh, in the bible provided for you uh, if you want to use that and it's, this is the succinct story of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's, I read 20 verses. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen heard and seen. As it had been told them. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus. We come into your presence right now. Thanking you. For what you did. As we read this historical record. Of, of your birth. And Lord we pray that this day. We would understand. Who you are and what you did. And why you did it. And that Lord we would glorify you. In all that we sing and say and do. We ask you to bind our enemy. Lord. We ask you to rebuke him for us. And in Jesus' name, we offer ourselves as listeners as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. I've called today's sermon, Love's Loudest Cry. I want us to hear the loudest cry of love that was ever uttered. And uh, I believe there is one cry that was louder than the rest and there are a lot of sounds of love in our life I think you would agree with that Um, and just taking it on a personal level and I'm going to use some words that I realize don't translate into our youngest in here our younger generation but if you're older like me maybe they will I'll try to make it where you can understand what I'm saying but there are a lot of song uh, sounds of love a lot of shouts of love you can remember the whisper chatter of a childhood on a playground at school or the infamous note that has passed do you like me check one <laughs> or little girls chattering or little boys shy about things Then, as a teenager in my day you talked on the phone for hours now you obsessively text because <laughs> you don't want to get too personal with anyone you know And that's been going on for about 30 years. So some of you 30-year-olds remember that. And then finally, as we grow older, we we hear the sounds of of a little bit of maturity, of planning and praying and then proposing in marriage. What beautiful sounds of love those are, right? And then you get married and then comes the uh, adjustment stage (laughs) where... uh, all the things that you're blind to in engagement come to the forefront. And so you have to have discussions, some of them very loudly, <laughs> to, uh, to come to a sweet understanding and a love between two people who are growing together. And then in marriage, as often happens, there's a baby on the way. And you tell your parents and they start jumping up and down and getting crazy because yeah, that's what we did. So excited there's a baby coming and the excited talk and knowing that that first child is coming. And then in the hospital we hear that baby's first cry and there's tears of joy there at the arrival. I don't know any mother doesn't cry and it's not just for the sound she was making before the baby got out. uh, There's a lot of pain and labor to bring this new life into a world. And when that baby comes out into this new world, it's totally different. They've been in a very warm, safe place for nine months. They don't know anything but that. Suddenly, they don't breathe the same way. Nothing feels the same way. In the old days, somebody spanked them. I don't think they do that anymore, but they get all the mess out of their throat, make sure they're clear, get them breathing. And that cry is really a cry of life, but it's a cry of they're startled, they're afraid they, they don't know what's happening And so they cry out But there's love there Because they give that baby to that mom And she lays her, that baby, him or her on, her on her body And begins to comfort it And it quiets down And then there's those cooing sounds Which are also sounds of love And the cycle starts to repeat itself I asked... My sister to sing that song. Well, Andy asked her, but I asked Andy to find someone, and that was a perfect choice. I just heard that song this year. The copyright is 2005. It's an older song, but I think it's real. I think we need to get a more realistic view of the of the birth of Jesus. Most of our songs and hymns are very romantic and sweet, but they're not right (laughs) and they're not they're not true. And and I don't want. I feel like the Grinch when I talk about this kind of stuff this way. Because I don't want to take away that beautiful picture from you. But when we do that, we miss what it meant. And so here's what I want you to take home with you today. When love cries out, a response is required. We can't hear a cry of love without needing a response. I just gave you one section of human experience where it's between two people. And, you know, if, if I, told, I, I told Janice I would never tell her I loved her or kiss her until we were engaged. And so when I told her I loved her, that was the, we were getting engaged. That was the very, very first time. And if she had said nothing or ran <laughs> without saying anything, that would have been devastating, wouldn't it? And so when a cry of love comes out, there has to be a response. And if there is no response, there is no love. There's one-way love. There's no two-way love. So I want you to think about the story that we read here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. We, we fantasize... Mary and Joseph and just want to say a a little bit more about it to to kind of make my point and that is that they came into an overcrowded city a a new legal decree had come out you got to go to the your ancestral home to be registered to get taxed and now that seems like a lot of effort we we think it's an effort once a year electronically and whatever we have to do but can you imagine you you live far away but your ancestral home's way over there and your transportation is to walk. or I know we always have a, a, a donkey, Mary Road, but there's nothing in the Bible says that's what she did. We don't know how they got there, but it was a journey. It was a tough journey. She was uh, uh, far along in, in her pregnancies. And the city is overcrowded. It's not, It was, as the song said, there was no silent night. There was a lot of people there making a lot of noise. And then so much so, there's no room. And Mary has to go into a stable. It could have been a cave, but... Think about what that means. I, I grew up in a neighborhood. My dad grew up on a farm, and we'd go visit my uncles and aunts, and I loved going out into their farm and into their farmlands and, and barnyards, and it, it's not quiet, it's not comfortable, and it smells, because there's animals in there, right? That's where Jesus was born. He wasn't born in the sterile environment of a hospital or even in a home, but he, he, was, he was born in a dirty place and laid in a feeding trough. I, I've seen the drool dripping off a of cow's face. You know, it, it, it's probably not very pleasant there, but that's where Jesus was. And we think so many times that Mary was superhuman and experienced no pain in childbirth, and we think Jesus didn't cry, but he became fully human. God became human at that point you see mary and joseph both cried loudly they cried out cries of love loudly mary right here we 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 know that we know why she was crying and i don't think her labor was quiet that that song told us there there was no midwife to be found they they were on their own it was just mary and joseph as far as we know and this is her first child and she's we believe relatively young there and, and Jesus comes out and he's screaming because he's a baby in this new environment. So a normal baby is, you know, conceived and raised in a mother's womb and comes out as we know how. And a normal baby begins at conception and only knows the safety of that mother's womb. But imagine Jesus who came from eternity past. Who created his mother and father and the world into which he's entering. And he is God above humanity, though we were made in his image. And he becomes an image bearer like us, only more so than us. As John 3.16 says, he is the unique, the one of a kind son of God. There's no other son of God like Jesus. I am a son of God. If you're a believer, you're a child of God, son or daughter of God but you're not like Jesus is cuz Jesus was deity and humanity all at one time not 50-50 100% of each all at the same time and he leaves heaven he leaves a throne he 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 leaves angels serving him and taking care of him and he's commanding them he left that and came into the world that he created So that we could know the God that created us. He left the glory of heaven for the gore of a stable. He left the riches of heaven for a common birth. He left the throne as a king to become the son of a forgotten king. Joseph would have been the king had they... But they hadn't had one in hundreds of years. And the love Jesus had for us caused a greater cry than you or I can imagine... His cry was a cry of love, but it was a battle cry because he had come to do war with our enemy and to win the battle so that you and I could know him in a personal, close, and real way. Mary's womb was a battleground, as as we know. Satan tried to kill Jesus before he was born by making... A greatly pregnant woman. She was great with child, it says in the King James. That means far along. And she had to make that long journey. And then the devil tried to kill Jesus up to age two, and he had to go to Egypt to be protected till God told Joseph to go back. But there was a cry in response to God's command. That not only the cry of Mary and Joseph, we. Talked about that a, a moment, but I, I want you to know that before that cry of love, Mary had already given a cry of love. It's in Luke 1, if you just want to turn back a page. Mary is minding her own business. I think she's at home. And suddenly, this angel Gabriel appears. Uh, and, and you can see that uh, in verse 26. It begins in the sixth month, which is her cousin Elizabeth's time of pregnancy. She was six months along. The angel Gabriel sent from, and Elizabeth, her cousin, gave birth to John the Baptist. Jesus and John were cousins. Uh, In a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph um, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, here's a young girl, a teenager, mid-teenager, probably 15, 16, 17, 14. We don't know, but it's believed she was in that age range. Minding no business, suddenly she's got this big old gigantic messenger angel in front of her saying, don't be scared, <laughs> you are highly favored by God. And verse 29, she says, the Bible says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what, what does that mean? What, in modern vernacular, she would have said, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand. And the angel said in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said, how's that going to work? Because I'm a virgin. The BSV says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, later on, Mary takes off in the rest of this chapter and she goes to visit Elizabeth to check this out and she stays with her for three months. And so, I just want to paint that picture that Mary is this teenager and suddenly there's this Angel, making sure she knows he 's an angel I, he's he, probably i don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't just a normal guy looking like standing there, and he tells her all this stuff, and here 's what we don't think about because uh, our friends in the Catholic Church they venerate Mary and how great she was and all of that, and, and it, she was great that they seem to forget about Joseph, he was also an awesome dude. you can read about him and matthew and 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 we will but. Mary, all of a sudden, has to contemplate. And I don't know how quick her mind worked, but I think she's pretty sharp. I mean, God didn't make her to be a dummy because she had to take care of Jesus, right? So God's going to make the best woman he ever made to make sure she's got a good mom. And same with Joseph. And, and I'm sure she quickly thought this through and said, but if I get pregnant before Joseph and I get fully married, they were halfway married, it was considered marriage, but not quite there yet, in their day, to come together in a physical way during this time period was not wrong, but it wasn't appreciated. It was not, it was not what you did. And now she's going to have to tell her parents, she's going to have to tell Joseph. People will always be casting doubt on her. And I don't know how much of that she thought of, but I think she thought of a lot of it. And yet we hear a cry of love from her. And I didn't read it, I skipped over it. And it's right there in verse 38. Mary said, behold, or look at this. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. I don't think there's been a more perfect response to God telling somebody what he wanted to do than that one. Isaiah said, said, here am I, send me. That was awesome. That was a great cry of love. And many times people said, yes, the disciples followed Jesus. And the prophets of the Old Testament said, yes. But here's Mary asked to do the biggest job that will ever be on the planet. And Mary says, I'm your servant. Do according to whatever you want to do. Whatever the cost, whatever the price, what I don't know is going to happen even. I just give it all to you and I'll do it. Now that's a cry of love, isn't it? And that is our response or should be our response to God when he calls upon us. We should say, Lord, I'm yours. In fact, that's what salvation is. It's not a buying a fire insurance. It's not just taking advantage of the fact Jesus has died for your sin. It is training your authority over yourself and giving that authority to God to do with you as he wishes. Now, the cool thing is God's a loving father. He's not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. He's only going to do things that's going to make you stronger, better, and help you in what he calls you to do. The difficulties you go through are given to you to make you more like Christ because Jesus didn't have an easy life. He had a really rough life and he suffered, the Bible says, more than any man to bring us to that point where he could save us. But when we respond to God, we need to respond like Mary. I am your servant. Do whatever you want with my life. And then our job is to figure out what that is and walk in it. Joseph has a similar response to God's instruction. The the only... the only disadvantage uh, of, of me saying that is that the Bible doesn't record what Joseph said, but he didn't have to say it with his mouth because he said it with his actions. And, and in Matthew 1 and verses 24 and 25, we see his response. Because, again, let me put you back in their day. Mary is now expecting a child. And there is some shame in that they have not fully gone through the ceremony of marriage they've gone through the ceremony of the bible used the word betrothal we would use the word engage but it's more much more than a modern engagement a modern engagement means yeah we're going to get married but back then it meant no we're getting married i'm over here building a house for us and this is already a legal contract it is binding and to break that contract took a legal matter and so joseph Finds out, remember I tell you, Mary went to visit Elizabeth for three months. She comes back, she's three months along. And she's a young woman, so she probably was showing. The Bible doesn't record what her mom and dad said. I guess we can find out later, but I probably won't care at that point. But I'm sure there was some, they they love their daughter. It doesn't say, you know, they threw her out of the house or anything. But Joseph's like, uh, (laughs) I know beyond any shadow of doubt that's not my baby. Because he had treated her with honor. And she's saying, "Uh, Joseph, let me tell you what happened. The Bible doesn't record she did that, but he knows the story. As we see, beginning in verse 18, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she's found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So the Bible points out that Joseph knows they'd not been together, and yet she's expecting. And as he considered these things, well, I'm sorry, verse 19, he says... And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. It took a legal divorce, but he doesn't want to shame her because by Jewish law, they ought to stone her to death for this. And he's like, I don't want to cause her harm, I don't want, but I can't marry her because she's cheated on me is what's in his mind. And she's shamed me and shamed us And no way. But the Bible says he never let go of it. He's still thinking about it. He obviously actually loved Mary. Sometimes their marriages were arranged and the love grew. But Joseph obviously loves her because it says in verse 20, as he was considering these things, he's still thinking about it. He's considerate. He's thoughtful. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. You'll call him Jesus for he will save his people From their sins, all this took place, fulfilled what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. By the way, Emmanuel means God with us, and guess what? God is still with us, amen. Which means God with us. And Joseph woke from his sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In other words, They did not come together physically in marriage until after Jesus was born. And so Joseph's cry of love was to get up and do what God had told him to do. And then Jesus cried out. I already said that he did early on. Back in Luke 2, she gave birth to a child. And we know what childbirth is like. We know what happens. We know a baby cries out. We don't have it recorded that he cried uh, like a normal baby or not. But Jesus became human for our sake. And he experienced everything as a human as we did. And so we can assume that he cried when he was born just like any other child. They went through the same process. Jesus didn't float down and appear or anything else. People try to explain stuff away. The only explanation is a supernatural God created a supernatural event for a young girl and, a, and her husband. And that supernatural event was that a, a girl that was a virgin would Find herself with child, and that child would be the very son of God, but he would be fully human. And they had said yes to that. And when Jesus was born, he cried out. I always wondered if, since he was deity and humanity, was his cry a little bit louder? I I don't know. I asked my mom one time, "How? When did you know that I was going to become a preacher?" She said, "The first time I heard you yell." So I think I had a pretty loud voice even as a a little kid. So Mary and Joseph then become our examples. Mary said, yes, whatever you want, I'll do it. Joseph, he's thinking about, he's considering it, but it's like, I can't do it because he's looking for that loophole and he can't find it. And he finally has to say, this is going to be shameful, but I will do it since this is God's will. You think that's stretch, but later when Jesus is a grown man and he's preaching and teaching, and he said that before Abraham was, he was, and the Pharisee said, "We've got Abraham for our father. We don't know who your father is." In his thirties, those Jewish leaders, very uptight, very legalistic, didn't know a thing about love or the love of God, are still telling them, Jesus, "You're an illegitimate child." I guess they know better now, but you see, we need to cry out to God. He's cried out in love to us, hasn't he? And so we need to cry out back to God for salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, if, in Romans 10, if we confess our sin, and, and usually that means to speak it. Some people cannot speak, so they use the languages they know. But if we confess our, with our mouth Jesus is Lord... We will be saved. We have to cry out to him in faith and repentance. We have to use our voice if we can. It is the confession of who Jesus is when we do so. Our salvation is based on us acknowledging what is already true. That Jesus is God and he's our only savior. But he wasn't God. He was God but he put that aside to be fully human and he went through suffering in his life and then he went through suffering of torture before he was killed on a cross and he went to a cross just to shed his blood so that his blood could cover the sin of Adam and every man after Adam from then till now. What a cry of love that would be. You see in this moment you stand at a fork in the road. Whether you're a Christian or not, you are always at a fork in the road. You can always say, I'm going with God. And Jesus told us what that road was like. He said, it's narrow, it's rough, it's rugged. There's a small gate, it's hard to find. The other one, pretty comfortable. Big, broad, not going to fall off the edge. Got a bunch of travelers on that road with you. It's kind of an easy way to go. But you got to stand at the fork of those two roads. And every day as a believer, we make the choice, we're going to take the hard way. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to go his pathway. You know, the church, the Christians, before they were called Christians, they were called followers of the way because Jesus walked the way in front of us and we follow him. The Indian tribe in South America, that, uh, by which hand Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and the other three men died, they talk, that, that is their word for those who are Christians. They walked Jesus's path. And we stand at that fork in the road. And if you don't know Christ, you are at a fork of the road. And to pick the broad road is the way to hell. If you're a Christian, you can't go on the broad way. If you are, that proves you're not a believer. Because you can't be a believer on the broad way. You've got to be a believer only on the narrow way. And every person comes and is confronted with this truth. Because Jesus is the ultimate truth. And at the moment you come to that fork in the road, you take one way or the other. And by the way, if you say, well, I'll wait a while, or I I don't think, that is a choice. You're choosing not to choose, which means you're saying no. You have just said no, you just don't have the guts to say no. God would rather you go, no, I don't like you, I don't want you, I want to live my life without you. Now you can work with that, because that's just called rebellion, right? And we think we can get by with, well, I'll decide Later. I'll just do some good stuff and that'll be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll appease God that way. You can't. The Bible says the best you can do apart from God looks like dirty rags. You, you can't do it. And so the only way we can do anything that pleases the Father is to receive His gift of salvation first. And so to take or say no is to take the wrong way. And we, we kind of use that as excuse. But to not decide is to decide wrongly. You must cry out in repentance and in faith. And without that, we are lost. And by the way, I, I call this sermon, Love's Loudest Cry. And I guess you've already assumed that cry at his birth. But you'd be wrong. That's not love's loudest cry. Love's loudest cry came 33 years later. It's recorded in John chapter 19 and verse 30. When Jesus said, it is finished.